This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Standard issue for all women. Welcome to this week's Sunday Chops, the last chops of 2020. Now, since the news this year has been an assault on all our senses, we've decided to fuck that off and instead talk about a bit of froth, or more specifically, the froth. The podcast comedy writer Sean Harris co-hosts with her husband Rob Gilbert, and a lovely time I had chatting to her. Panic not, though, this isn't the last podcast of the year. We've got one for you on Wednesday, albeit one without a Bush Telegraph. See earlier note about the news. And we've got some festive viewing suggestions coming in a Christmas outside the box. Plus, there'll be a review of the year. And if you don't want to miss any of that, remember to hit subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll be so delighted with you. We won't even expect you to send us a Christmas present this year. Until next week. Hi, I am joined on Zoom by comedy writer and presenter or co-presenter of The Froth, Sean Harris. Hello. Lovely to see you, Sean. And you, love. So nice to see you. How's 2020 been panning out for you so far? Uh, (laughs) It's mad. Obviously, that's a a stock answer for this year. Just, I can't believe we're in November. It's odd, isn't it? Like, time has become this weird concertina Mm. where it feels like this year has been going on forever. But then I keep going, oh, my God, I haven't done anything. And it's November. Yeah. All the drama has happened. I don't know what's going on. And there's so much news and so much drama that I think maybe parts of me have shut down. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that kind of, I can't handle all of this, so I'm just going to select stuff. And I think my brain, in order to cope, is only focusing on things that happened in April. And then the rest of it's a bit of a montage, like a quick briefing. I don't know. I spoke to yeah. someone who lives in Edinburgh. Yeah. And I was like, what was that like this summer? And she said, well, the yeah. official answer is terrible. But the, the the actual answer is it was great. We had our city for a summer and it was just us, the people who live there. You could walk down the street, whatever. Yeah, I can't imagine what that must have been like for people who live in Edinburgh and have done for years and years and have never had the, the month of August to themselves in their own hometown. I just can't imagine it. I went down to Cambridge Town Centre and this was right during the height of lockdown and parts of it I was totally by myself. And other parts, there were a couple of other people there it was almost as if you felt like you could do it naked and it wouldn't matter <laughs> did you do it naked? no no <laughs> right no, okay no. I know what you mean I, I weirdly kind of enjoyed it we went down to London um, down to London we went into the center of London and we parked up and it was so easy to park and there was nobody around and it felt like it felt like Sundays used to feel like and it was really difficult not to get nostalgic for it I mean if you block out the absolute oh my God, you know, there's no business and there's nothing happening. Mm. You kind of go, actually, I really miss this. I miss life being quieter. Yeah. Your podcast, The Froth, is kind of helping people do that in as much as it's about things that aren't the news. Yes. 
So tell me what your definition of froth is, just for anyone who might not know. <laughs> Anything that is silly and ridiculous, things animals get up to. Do you know what I mean? Anything yeah. that is not doom and gloom in the news, just ridiculous stuff that everyday people do from across the world. It can be anything. I have a bit of froth, I think, going on, on. in our gardens because I, I live in a masonette, so I can see yeah. basically everybody's garden from my lounge window. Excellent. And one of my neighbours appears to be having some sort of decking put down, which makes it sound like <laughs> I live somewhere quite posh, but I actually don't. <laughs> and the person who's doing it is 90 if he's a day, honestly. Oh, so he's actually physically putting the decking down? Yeah, he's got a high-vis <laughs> jacket on. But... <laughs> Of course, builders always have their bums out, but also ninety-year-old yeah. men also always have their bums out. <laughs> View out of my, my my window at the moment is just old man bum, <laughs> and it, honestly, I think if you stare long enough at it, you can probably like see through time. How long have you stared at it for? It's to the point where I thought, would it be weird to take a photograph? To be honest. <laughs> would it be weird to take a photo of this and send it to some of my friends and say current view? But, I think you should. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure if it's allowed, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. But the, that is the thing, isn't it? Because we've been enclosed in our houses for so long. That is exactly the kind of froth we're talking about. Our dog had the runs a few months ago and the whole street knew about it because there's nothing else happening and everyone is at home. So <laughs> I was out in the garden and I said, ex- I exclaimed to myself, oh, good, it's a firm one because she'd had a, she'd had the run <laughs> for three days. And over the fence, I heard my lovely next door neighbour going, what's it like? <laughs> and then me saying, it's quite firm. And then her going, oh, good, I am glad. <laughs> so, you know, things like that that are really amusing and sweet and minute, the minutiae of life so we can still enjoy ourselves on some level rather than just get bogged down in all this crazy stuff that's happening. I think there's been a couple of really lovely examples of exactly what you're talking about in lockdown. Really early in lockdown, the goats that invaded the Welsh village was just amazing. I I mean, yeah. Just incredible. What happened to them? Are they still there? I don't know what that was about. It's amazing. The thing is as well, (laughs) Sean, I don't really care what caused that. No, I don't care. It was just... This is amazing. (laughs) And the other amazing thing is kind of linked to the American election, but it's not, which is how that press conference came to be held in in that landscaping centre. It's just insane. It's the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) And I'm not exaggerating. I think it's the funny. I don't I think it's actually because of the enormity of everything that happened in the build up to it. And, you know, and we've had like, what, eight months of enormous stuff. It hasn't quite sunk in that how funny that is. Yeah. I mean, we still think it's really funny. But I was saying to my friend, it's the kind of thing that five years down the line, we're going to be in the bath, just just remembering that yeah. and nearly just drowning, laughing at it. It's that kind of thing, isn't it? Well, hey, you're a comedy writer, so maybe you can you can actually grant me my one top wish now, which is that somebody right. writes an urban myths about that. Because I think there is... <laughs> I mean... Can you? It's so well written as it is. I don't know if you could do anything to it. If you put anything on top of it, it would just crumble. It is so, God almighty, if this year had been building to that punch. (laughs) For me, the reason it's funny is it it comes from the worst sort of instincts of Donald Trump and also human nature, which is never admit that you were wrong. Just (laughs) carry on and pretend that everything's all right. And... It's, it's sitcom, isn't it? It's absolute sitcom. It's that 
awful stuff is happening, but it's not happening yeah. because I'm going to have to. It's fast. It's proper, pure fast. There should be like a vicar and a French maid. Yeah. Like it's that level of madness. <laughs> well, actually, to be honest, there's probably. You did some... have a crematorium and a dildo. Oh my god, you just could not write it. Honest to God, so Look, enjoyable. A couple of years ago, I saw Armando Iannucci talking about a book he'd written about classical music. But when right. it went to the questions, almost everybody just, you know, went Alan Partridge, Death of Stalin, all of that <laughs> stuff. He was talking about the Death of Stalin and how they had to actually d- amp that story down because he was yes. so worried that people wouldn't believe it and that people would go, oh, they've got a bit wild with that. They should have left it with just two conductors that were drunk. Rather, <gasps> when in fact, in real life, I think they were three conductors they had to try and really? find before they could get it. Yeah. Is that right? And they left Stalin on the floor for way longer than they do in the in the film but he just thought he just thought people wouldn't believe it he just thought it was the the truth was too extreme that's exactly true about trump as well though if they ever well if as in it is going to happen when they make a film about trump yeah which is going to happen (laughs) they're gonna have to i don't know how they're gonna deal with it they're gonna have to just say right at the top every single thing that happened in this is true (laughs) you know Rather than this is based on... No, no, no. Every single thing. In fact, we've had to omit stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know, because you wouldn't believe it. Honestly. Also, I don't think there's time to fit it all in because that's part of the problem with the news. It's such a barrage that your brain just doesn't have the space to put that stuff. And so people yeah. will say to you, have you seen this story? Oh. And you're and like, you can, no. no. And because the, because it was it. one of 732 really <laughs> funny stories last week or really awful stories yeah. last week. Honestly, I know people who work on current affairs, you know, comedy shows and panel shows and things, and they're just having an absolute... They're so busy, but having a nightmare, having to go, right, what story, what? And then stories change so quickly. Yeah. You can start writing something at the beginning of the week. By the end of the week, who remembers that? What? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. We have it. We record on a Monday. We edit on a Tuesday. We release on a Wednesday morning. And sometimes, you know, you'll get people saying, why don't you talk about this? And you're like, well, to be honest, I know it probably seems old by now, but that story actually only happened 12 hours ago. Um, Or the stuff that you record. That story's moved on and spun off in about 400 different directions. Now, going back to your story about your dog shitting in the garden, much like all (laughs) podcasts, The Froth, it carries its fair weight of of shit stories what Oops, why do you think i know and we're trying to avoid it but it's impossible it's same thing happens to us so why really yeah why does the human brain always go to shit do you think oh, when it's talking about stories like that no i mean i mean obviously if you have a dog that's gonna happen yeah <laughs> but then i guess we've told people now please don't don't write in with your poop stories and it's just opened a flipping i mean we wish we'd never said anything people just keep sending us stuff with uh, with poop and you know and I think it's just it's that rule one of comedy isn't it that kind of self-deprecation yeah (laughs) (laughs) self-deprecation you know that kind of you know that kind of look we're all equal this is where I really messed up (laughs) literally I think that's what it is and it's universally funny and it's that thing we were talking about about, um pride before a fall if somebody is trying to be like seen as an amazing kind of authority if they let one rip, it's so funny and it will never stop being funny because it's it's embarrassing. It brings you down immediately to the level of everyone else. Everyone does that. Yeah. And I mean, we try and we try and kind of um, 
trying to up the uh, the conversation. <laughs> but I think as long as we're doing it in a creative way, that still makes us laugh and it's fine. Yeah, obviously, because I work for the queen of the funny oh, shit yeah. story. In fact, <laughs> when you had Sarah on, she, she told a hilarious dog shit story. I mean... <laughs> Yes, I mean, how can you avoid it? No, um, <laughs> so it, it it does tend to happen, and also I think because I I always wince a bit at shit stories because I don't have the strongest stomach. I think the others <laughs> get kind of encouraged by it because they, yeah. they're teasing me; they're waiting for me to throw up. Yeah, that does yeah. happen. Well, I mean, yeah. it literally does happen. I think Jen didn't believe me till it actually happened. Jen st- told a story so foul really? about shit that it made me vomit. Yeah, and, oh, and she was God, like, "Wowzers." <laughs> it's like she found a superpower or something. Wow. Like, you never show them your weakness. No, never. <laughs> never. Never. You never show them your... It's weird, isn't it? Because also, I was brought, not brought up, like it wasn't an intention, but I wasn't really into poop and stuff before I started hanging out with boys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, I don't know, because like, obviously, when I write with Greg Davis, he's well into it. <laughs> and then... Where, uh, Rod, my husband as well, also finds it very, very funny. And I think I've just learned to kind of find it really, really funny. And then when you when you get into something, yeah, <laughs> God, it sounds all, it sounds really highbrow. I mean, once you get acquainted with it, <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> but I never did. Once I know, you've done I, the reading, I, yeah, exactly. You put the hours in, but um, <laughs> it's really odd. And I think I think when I was younger, I used to kind of think that it wasn't not um consciously but I didn't think it was very feminine and very becoming yeah it's only recently that I've started to go oh it's really fun isn't it it's really kind of messing around and yeah I find interesting a friend of mine was writing a book about a history of of, of shit essentially (laughs) although she then got a full-time job so it's kind of hampered her ability to do it but she said oddly it was a thing when she told people that's what her book was about she didn't get the reaction (laughs) she thought she would she got people going oh wow did you know and start Telling stories about, you know, like in Japan, toilets are like this or in Germany, toilets are like this. And that how sort of on a really cultural level, toilets and poo are quite interesting. I think they are. though. I genuinely think they are. And how different cultures, um, you know, behave around it and how they act around it and how it's even things like belching is seen as a sign of respect in some cultures, isn't it? Because you've enjoyed your meal. It's so interesting. Yeah, definitely. I find it fascinating. Wales has been doing in lockdown. the last few in lockdown in the last few months it's really interesting because I think on the whole the people I know are well up for locking down and saving the NHS there's a very kind of social feel about it about people looking out for each other and pulling together and I don't know that it's kind of taken on a, a sense of national pride I think that that they can work together mm. and that they can help the NHS I think it's been difficult in some areas that have been locked down for much longer than others. And I think as well, there's a lot of anger towards people who maybe are going there on holiday and Mm. ignoring lockdown from England. I do think that's happening. But I think on the whole, they came out of lockdown on Monday. So they're just seeing, really. I think they're just going to see how it goes now. It's interesting, isn't it? Because like the Yes um, Cymru movement is growing. It's growing in momentum. Mm. And I think it's been triggered by seeing people not realising how Wales is different. Like, they're basically in charge... The Assembly is in charge of their own health. Mm. So they have different health uh, legislation to England. And just seeing people kind of not being aware of that and ignoring it and coming on holiday when when the areas are in lockdown, I think it's sparked a lot of people to go, actually, 
you know, we need to take control of this. Yeah. And uh, that's interesting. I mean, without wanting to reduce people to stereotypes, I Mm. feel like the Welsh have a mentality that is more get on with it. And the British have a mentality, which is be argumentative (laughs) about it. Um, do you? Yeah, I don't know if that's right. That's for good or for bad. But I mean, <laughs> we do. People say like that, you know, the blitz spirit and all of that. But it didn't take yes. long for people in this country no. to be like, I don't like it. I don't want to wear the mask because I don't think <laughs> this should be happening. Well, I mean, you see, I may get into a lot of trouble about this, but I think um, there, I think the Welsh Tories are kind of pushing that angle. That sort of this is ridiculous. How dare they close the shop that sells scented candles for two weeks? I mean, you know, people people need it, and yeah. you know, and a lot of people, including the scented candle shop owner, going, "It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> if it means we can lower the death rate. It's fine. We are online." Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I think yeah. it's definitely a political thing. It's so political. Yeah. Well, that's. I mean, that's. I think going back to what we say about stories that are just, you know, like. Pfft, is that it's nice to have a story that you can look at and you don't even have to engage that part of your brain. You don't mm. have to think, you know. No. If I if I retweet this, will everyone call me a Nazi because I've misunderstood oh. something in it? Or yes. uh, it, it, it's literally just a dog on a sledge. And I don't think, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure some people can find a reason to call you oh, a no, Nazi honestly. for that, but... But they would find out that the do- actually the dog doesn't like sledges yeah. and it was, forced, it was forced to go on a sledge and I think you're really cruel. And oh my yeah. God. <laughs> honestly, I mean... Twitter, I think, is the bane of my life. Yeah. I love it, but I hate it. Well, it is the source of Dog on a Sledge story. It is the source yeah. of so much joy. It's the source <laughs> of look at these goats in my back garden. Or the yeah. other day, that one about someone who came in and found all their animals had come into the house. And it was like... The, <laughs> the donkeys in the, the door. The oh, my door. God. That was amazing. Like vampire donkeys waiting to be invited yes. in. It was like the nativity scene, yeah. but in someone's oh. kitchen. Yeah. But, but at the same time, underneath that, you've got this thing that's like just horrible, and you just yeah. argumentative. Yeah, that's what was so refreshing about the election, though. Honestly, it, can you hear my dog? Yeah. <laughs> but Rosie, the election when it it felt like for the first time in ages there was a glimmer of hope, and Twitter was actually being quite kind. Yeah. Well, the people I follow were being. Oh, and the people I follow are really kind, usually. I don't know how... I don't know. It's just... It felt like there was a bit of hope for the first time. Yeah. And it felt like Twitter used to be. Yeah. You know? Kind yeah. of positive and sharing stuff with people you'd never meet in real life and different groups and different cultures. And, oh, it was really lovely. I really loved it. And I'd forgotten how it can be. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I hopefully really it, can, it. it can be that again. Although I don't know. I sometimes feel like it's pushed a bit far I, yeah. I have I have a definite love-hate relationship with Twitter yeah uh, and because I think it, it spreads misinformation and I think that's the worst thing mm. it does that and Facebook oh my god <laughs> it's all very well people spreading joy and um good information mm. not good information that sounds <laughs> information that is true that we should be aware of therefore we can change things yeah which I'm sure that's how everyone feels even people you know, of misinformation. But these lies, have you seen this thing that's just come out today? A Republican who's been pretending to be a black gay guy. Have you heard this? No. <laughs> On Twitter, he's got, I mean, I don't even know. Right, this is how much, this is exact perfect Twitter. I've just glanced at it. There's this white Republican who set up a fake Twitter account uh, with an avatar and... He's been pretending to be a black gay guy 
saying President Trump has done a lot for me. I hate the Democrats. Mm. And he's just blown his cover by saying, I am a black gay guy, but under his other account, which is him in real life, yeah. totally white, white Republican man. <laughs> so, I mean... Well, that, that actually happened a lot over the summer. There was about, I would say, three or four cases of what I can only call another Rachel Dolezal, who were white women in America who were either pretending to be black or Latino and were in positions of education establishments, for example, professors or or low-key politics, local politics, and had been saying, oh, you know, I'm I'm Puerto Rican, I'm whatever. One of them had had the whole accent and then had been outed, either accidentally outed themselves, like in that situation, or been outed by other people. And I just think, I can't imagine how how anyone gets away for it, with it for as long, that people aren't more curious, that people don't ask more questions. I suppose it, it, it's, it's not particularly politically <laughs> nice to say, do you think she's really black? But... <laughs> And also, like, yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know. But how black are you? Are you really black? Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know. It doesn't cross your mind that somebody's lying about it. Why would they lie? It's yeah. just so insane. Yeah. It's so insane. That's what I mean about the spreading of misinformation. Mm. And my mum's just gone on Facebook. And my mum lover is, you know, uh, left-leaning, very liberal, lovely and wonderful. But you can already see things filtering in that she kind of like nothing nothing awful god but it starts small doesn't it yeah that seed where she goes oh did you know Sha? and i'm like that isn't true yeah. it can't be true think of it logically yeah. <laughs> do you know what i mean yeah and she's like oh no you're right actually yeah but how did you get that and if you liked it it means you'll get more of it yeah that's how they know you're vulnerable it's just fascinating isn't it i for all the mocking people do of um media studies i think it should be compulsory for the over 60s and <laughs> everybody in school like just write media you learn who wrote that where's it come from yeah it russia <laughs> yeah how to spot a russian bot honest to god all this news and it's really realistic and it's quick and jan from down the road has liked yeah. it she, you know yeah. what i mean it's very yeah very easy to manipulate them i think so tell me going back to the froth going back to yeah. good stories and not bad stories <laughs> what, yeah. what's your sort of go-to froth story what's the thing where you just need to tell a story that's funny and isn't particularly about anything <laughs> and it has to be minute and silly and just warm. Yeah. Where something something nice has happened, but in a ridiculous way. Yeah, so things like that, but just ridiculous. And also, because of me and Rod and the way we talk to each other and everything, we could literally make something out of anything. That's what it feels like. Yeah. You know, so you're like, well, that's... You just question everything, and Rod is so contrary. <laughs> <laughs> we can bicker over anything. Like, you give us anything, we can bicker over it. I was going to ask about that because obviously you've worked together in the past, but now you are working yeah. together in your house on a podcast. Is there yeah, is there a risk? Is there a risk of TMI? <laughs> is that something you worry about? No, well, maybe because I guess as you know, it, <laughs> no, I think we're quite good at it because we used to do a radio show together. This is different, obviously, because we do let rip a bit more because we're in charge of it, so we couldn't say things on the BBC radio show. Mm. We had to be far more kind of um, self say. I don't think so, no. I think that we were very good at separating out what is private and what is, like, up for grabs. Yeah. You know, banter-wise. And sometimes, but sometimes we will, actually. Rod will go there and I'll go, we're not putting that in the pocket. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're not putting that in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or And sometimes we will. Or 
it's difficult because we're doing it with our friends. It's mainly our friends. We phone up another comics and everything. Sometimes because we haven't seen each other for so long, we'll be really excited and we'll start talking about people we know and stuff. And we'll have to go, we can't say that because yeah. we're not 100%. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not fair on that person. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes we get a bit like that because, I mean, I've worked with Mickey for like six years now. So sometimes I'll I'll, I'll say we'll cut this out but I say it anyway because I know it'll make her laugh but then she says something afterwards and I'm like oh we're gonna have to lose that if we lose my bit we're gonna have to lose that bit as well and that bit's really good yeah and so you're left in a real do I want to say that yeah and quite often it's because it's like something about my mom that I probably shouldn't have said I guess we just when lockdown first started we were bickering and we just thought, let's get this down on tape. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because we're amusing ourselves as well. Because, it's, you know, we make each other laugh when we're bickering. Podcasting is a really public way to keep a diary during this, yeah. the weirdest time on earth. Yeah. And so it has value in that. It's been a lifesaver for us because it means we've been able to see our friends, mm. you know, and but in a legitimate way. And, and it's been really lovely having a regular thing mm. where we laugh with our friends for a reason so it's given us that kind of yeah. meaning because otherwise we'd have just been floating along you know both of us working at home it's really nice to have that kind of routine what else have you got on the horizon Sean, or is that not a great time to be asking <laughs> well i'm writing a few pilots at the moment which i can't talk about which is great for this <laughs> it's, great. it's great for the podcast i can't talk about it one with kiri pritchard mclean who's brilliant i love her Oh, I'm writing my own one, actually. I'm writing my own thing for the first time, which is very exciting and weird because I'm not used to it. I've never written anything on my own before. I usually write with um, blokes, but co-writing with Kiri is excellent. I'm really, really enjoying it. But my own thing, it's weird because I have to really kind of watch that I don't procrastinate. And it's really easy. I don't know if you do this, but with my own work, I tend to go, oh, that's just a bit of fun. Yeah. But that, you know what I mean? It's not, it doesn't count. Yeah, but particularly it's... since it takes place at literally the same place that my other work takes place. If yeah. I did a job now where I was going out to an office and then I came yes. home and sat at my desk and opened a laptop. Yeah. I was talking to Rachel Paris about this. We had her on uh, the podcast a while ago. I am terrible for disappearing down a Wikipedia hole <laughs> in which two and a half yeah. hours later I'm learning about how the metal detector was invented. <laughs> and what I actually just Googled was how you spelt someone's name. <laughs> oh and it's God. just insane. You, you've clearly got a cute I mean if you're a journalist as well, you've got a curious brain. Mm. So a curious mind. It can be it's amazing in lots of different ways, but it's also it'll be the end of me because I'm i I'm curious in everything. Yeah. Like, oh really? Oh my god, that's really fascinating. Mm. And <laughs> I haven't got a filter. No. I will find anything like funny or interesting as long as I spend enough time with it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, talking about, about funny stories, when I was when I was listening to, I don't know what it was that you said in an episode of The Froth, but it made me think of a story that my brother had told me. Right. And my brother and I are dreadful because we are literally, we laugh at exactly the same stuff. And therefore, we have to, if, if, we've, if something's <laughs> funny, we have to ring the other person immediately. It doesn't matter what they're doing. You're like, oh, oh my God, you'll find this hilarious. Yeah. Um, and he works in a hotel, so he has a lot of stories that are just wild <laughs> and inappropriate because all human life happens in a hotel. Perfect. And a couple of years ago, he rang me and said, oh, something really odd to just happened. And I was like, what? And he said, and I was on the front desk and someone came up and said, found this handbag in your bar. 
he said, so he was like, all right. And so he took the handbag and he thought somebody would be along. He said, and after about half an hour, he thought, you know, just for the sake of a security check, I should probably look and see what's in the handbag, just in case, you know. And he opened it up and he looked at it. And I actually sent him a message today to clarify whether or not I was correct. And in it, he found, I've got it written down here, a tape measure, a length of garden hose, a tub of Vaseline (laughs) and a signed (gasps) photograph of Judy Dench. (laughs) That was all that was in it. <laughs> and whatever oh. it was I was doing, I could have been doing anything. He was like, "Stop Hang what on. you're doing now! Something hilarious <laughs> has happened." Hang on, a tape measure, a tape measure, a, hose a length hose. of garden hose. He said about a meter. <laughs> <laughs> Vaseline, a tap of Vaseline, and and a, a signed, signed photo. Of <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, who knows that what that person so... had planned for that afternoon? Or how disappointed so they were funny. when they got home and went, oh, my God, where's my bag of tricks? That is incredible. I know, yeah, exactly. Oh, my God, I've left it at the hotel. <laughs> yeah, I can never go back. I can never <gasps> go back. What if it was Judy Dench's handbag? I mean, it's, it's a possibility. That she and she'd keeps, already signed it. She keeps them in there in case anyone asks. <laughs> if someone thought it was Judy Dench's handbag. Well, it's clearly her. I mean, we better put her up. <laughs> Imagine. Email her She's agent. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! I used to run a film festival, and we ran a film festival for kids and young people in the Welsh Valleys. And we we held a screening once in a little um, cinema in one of the Welsh Valleys. Amazing cinema, you know, like one of those old, beautiful, faded, glorious old cinemas. But in the staff room. Totally bare, nothing in there, right? Apart from <laughs> on the wall, one of those postcards of a penis with shades on, <laughs> right? And a framed picture of Richard and Judy. Somebody had cut out of a magazine, and then underneath it just said Richard and Judy, but but the R was missing, so so yeah. it said Itch Itchard and Judy, and it was like, who's in charge? You know. <laughs> Where's the staff? Oh, so f- it's so funny, isn't it? When random, random stuff. stuff yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. What is going on there? Sean, this has been brilliant. Tell me where pe- oh, where can no. people find you and where people can find me. the froth? Well, I'm on Twitter, obviously, like all the time. So I'm at Sean Harris underscore. Great. And the froth, you can listen to it on all the usual places. So iTunes, Acast, everything like that. And it's called the froth. It's really good. We're we're enjoying it so much. Yeah. I think it's getting better and better. And it, it's we're a just, lot of we're getting fun into to listen to. Thanks. Standard issue for all women.